Hello, Drop the Subject listeners. It's Allie and James back again at it on this lovely Wednesday. Or if you speak French, Mercredi. Happy Mercredi, everybody. I wonder oh. if they say hump day in France. Yeah, <laughs> they say hum, hum, hum. <laughs> It's hump day. It's hump day. It's le jour de hump. Le jour de hump. Or miércoles in Spanish. See. Ah, miércoles. Yeah, that's that's the fun one in Spanish because the other ones are like, what are the other ones? It's Lunes, Martes, Miércoles. Yeah, and then it's like, Miércoles, and you're like, Miércoles. Wow, it's like in the middle, it's like this weird, not weird, but it's like a totally different, they're like, nope, we're going with something totally different. We're going with something totally different. My favorite is um, Sabado Gigante. Do you remember that show from like back in the day? I think it was on Univision. Our listeners who remember this, please remind us on social media, at DTS Show. But Sabado Gigante, that was like how I remembered like Saturday. Sabado Gigante. And I used to watch that show when I was younger, not knowing anything thing going going on but it was just like bright lights and like beautiful people and scantily clad outfits and like i didn't know what game they were playing but it was amazing yay why not <laughs> yay it makes, makes me think of that um the guy that they they just did a documentary about him on netflix the um the astrologist oh oh my gosh i just completely blanked on his name too yeah but also like big personality yeah, and glitter like, and sparkles and yeah sparkles. everything right um i speaking of sparkles and happiness i received Probably the greatest gift that I have ever received in my lifetime. And it's it wasn't even about what the gift was, but how it was received. James, uh-huh. when you hear the words mystery package. <laughs> oh, boy. It's Has- usually either a really, really great outcome or a really, really bad income or outcome. Yeah. There's not really anything in between, right? Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, it makes me think of the story we did last week about uh, the new COVID trend of of glory holes. That's what I think of when <laughs> when someone says mystery package. You know, if they could just rebrand and call them mystery package spots <laughs> right. instead of glory holes, I really feel like they have something there. That's everyone. True. Everyone has a brand in 2020, so why not? You know, <laughs> uh, to find your nearest mystery package location, just look at the map. Right, right exactly. Interactive map. There's um, an app for that. There is. We did learn that as well. Uh, And if you missed any of that, by the way, catch up on the podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast, because we did talk about the growing resurgence, the reopening rather of glory holes, pun intended. (laughs) But I received, uh, I I received, we we have a mail room, like a locker system here at my Uh apartment complex. It's not like they just drop off a package and leave. They want to make sure no one's, you know, the porch pirates. It's a whole thing. Yeah. So we get an email saying that we have a package. And my wife texts me and she goes, can you please pick this up? And I'm going, "Ah, what did we order? I mean, at any given point, especially in 2020, you're online buying everything now. So I just assume any package is supposed to be arriving because we need Drano or whatever it is. And she goes, I was like, what'd you order? She was like, I didn't order anything. Did you? I thought you did. I was like, no. So she's like, what is it? I was like, I have no idea. And sometimes it's annoying where you go to the locker and you get it and it's like something from the DMV and you're like, why did you do this? Just put it in the mail slot. (laughs) Right. I open the the package locker and it's a big, heavy box. And it says Allie and KT. KT. And I, so I'm going, okay, I don't think that Katie's parents would spell it KT. KT, right. And I don't think my parents would do that either. So I I, I pick it up, I put it in the car, I bring it home. I and these are the up. only people we think of, by the way, who like send packages on the regular. Without right? saying like, any without right, saying. Right. Like you just like go to your parents and, and yes, I would do the same thing. Uh-huh. So I get I get back to the house, I open it up, and it is a giant cobalt blue cast iron Dutch oven. <laughs> like a three and and the receipt is in there what? for three hundred and sixty five dollars or whatever oh it is. Oh my god! What? And I'm going. Who for, the hell sent this to me? Was this There's the, no uh, note? the the hump day? Uh, what is that brand of the Dutch oven? Le Crusade or Crusade? Yeah. Yes. Well. Oh God. Yeah. Those are nice, dude. Three hundred and sixty whatever dollars. Super nice. And you I don't have sell one. that on eBay for like a thousand. Okay, so so I'm looking at the receipt. All I can see is that it says buyer is Natalie. I'm like, who the hell is that? Who is Natalie? 
I don't know who Natalie is. It looked like a mistake. And then I'm going, well, if it's, if it's a mistake, this is an expensive mistake for them to make. But it is addressed to us. And so I, I did the right thing and I posted about it on social media. <laughs> right, because this, this is what one does. And I said, who the hell sent that, this random Dutch oven? Um, you know, it was this a Cards Against Humanity thing that was supposed to be an actual Dutch oven. And then it becomes, <laughs> it's not the funny one. It's the actual one. It's I don't know actual, what went wrong uh-huh. here. Right, yep. So yep. then people automatically start responding, can I have it? I'll give you this. I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. I'll give you 150 bucks for it. Uh, if you if it's by mistake, can you please send it to me? Uh, these things are amazing. Whoever sent it to you, get you know don't don't bring it back. It's a surprised item. You'll never you'll never right. need another one in your life. Right. So I cannot figure out what is going on. I I don't know what to do. If it was a mistake, I don't want to send it back because now everybody has been telling me how amazing this Dutch oven is. Uh huh. Right. And now right. I'm just hoping at all costs that I can keep it. I eventually found out the answer. Oh, and you the did? the answer, yes, will surprise you. Uh, before we got on the air today, Jesse <laughs> shared his theory that that this <laughs> Dutch oven company is just sending free ones out to people hoping for them to write positive reviews, which um, is an interesting um, theory. And he said it was like the seeds from China. Um, I, <laughs> I'm not sure. You said it was a Le Crusade, right? I'm not sure that Le Crusade needs to be sending free anything to anybody. They're doing just fine. We need people in America to like it. They hate us. <laughs> Write the positive review. Yeah. So I don't think that big interesting theory, Jesse, but I would much rather receive this in the mail than a bunch of random seeds. I do have the answer. And the good news is that we only have a two minute break. You only get two minutes of commercials. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject with Allie and Dr. James Simmons, nurse practitioner. We will be getting to an Ask the NP a little later in the show. But where we left off, I was talking about a mystery package that I received the other day. It was a big box. It was a heavy box. I opened it up and it was a very expensive crock pot slash Dutch oven from what is the company? Le Le Crusette. Aha. And they are no less than $350 a pop. These are supposed to last you forever. And I have no idea who sent it to me. So I put it up on my Instagram story. I said, can someone please help solve the mystery of Le Dutch oven? Because I don't know who to thank for this. And the person didn't write a note. Um, this is what happened. <laughs> Break it down. I receive a text message from someone in my phone named Natalie, who I who have also not seen on the receipt for the Le Cousette. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And she says, my husband and I sent it. The gift slash receipt message is coming along with part two. Happy anniversary. Part two. First of all, the fact that there is a part two is (laughs) incredible to me. Like, did it not come with the lid? (laughs) No, there is a lid and there is a part two. I don't know what it is, if it's a standing mixer or a blender. I have no clue. But she messaged me. This is a person I have not seen since I saw her at my wedding. And before that, it probably had been 10 years since I'd seen her. Whoa. And I... I don't know. I can't even explain to you the joy that filled my heart knowing that I was getting a present that I did not know about, that I was not expecting, that probably my own parents would not send me. And she said, when you guys got married, we were so honored, but we were so poor, we couldn't afford to get you anything for your honeymoon. And we had to save for the babysitter just so we could go. But we knew when we were doing better financially, we would send you the gift that you deserve. Oh and here it is. Oh, my gosh. Allie Johnson, stop it. So, Natalie, I think that you got it figured out. Not, not getting me anything for my honeymoon two years ago or my, my wedding was the best gift that you could have given me. Because two years later, (laughs) I now have an awesome gift. This is how it should be. You got to just spread them out. Now, I think this should be the way it is moving forward. Don't just give a bunch of people gifts all on one day. Spread them out. Every single year for the rest of my marriage, I should be getting gifts. You should have assigned people gifts based off of their like actuarial lifespan 
and yes. say, okay, well, the older folks, you're going to give gifts earlier. <laughs> and younger <laughs> folks, you're going to give gifts throughout. So if you spread all of your wedding gifts out, you're getting wedding gifts for like 50 years. Exactly. So that was the best ending to a mystery package scenario I, I could possibly imagine. It and almost kind of made me the tear up. Person, right? Yeah, like that's so sweet. Natalie, you're awesome to, to like keep thinking of you and be like, this is important and to give you something so friggin' cool. Right. So still, if I had gone to her wedding, I would have probably sent like 50 to 100 bucks and called it a day. Uh-huh. And she bought an entire $350 crock pot for me and is getting me a second gift. And, and a second gift and shipped it, by the way. I can only imagine how heavy Mama those cro- things she lives are. She in Chicago. Right. So, so the shipping was probably $360 in and of itself. <laughs> so, so far, she's dropped 700 uh, on your wedding. That was two years ago. Exactly. And she has no idea how close we are to getting a divorce. No, I'm just kidding. I will not. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, KT. What's yes. <laughs> No, she's like, KT. So thank you so much to my new Natalie, best friend, totally. Natalie. Uh, that is an incredible person right there. All right. We are going to take a break. But when we come back, uh, we are going to talk about this crazy election because we haven't had a chance to oh, talk man. about it. Do we have it's, to? Uh, uh, well, we don't have to if you don't want to. No, I'm just, can I whine about it? I just need to whine about it for a minute and just like yes. get over having to talk about it because I probably, everyone keeps saying this and it's not lip service, but it probably is the most important election of our lifetime. Like, uh, I suppose. And we have a platform and we're radio hosts and whatever. We should probably talk about it, Allie. God. All right. All right. We will talk about it when we come back. Uh, you're not going to wait long. I promise. More Drop the Subject returns in a mo. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. Allie Johnson, James Simmons. We need to talk about, oh, this little thing coming up in, uh, what are we at? 49, 50 days, something like that. We're, we're in there. The presidential election between Democratic nominee Joe Biden and incumbent Republican Donald J. Drop the so, president. <laughs> what's really important about this election as it mirrors 2016 and other elections are, Ali, it's really coming down to some of the exact same things from previous elections, but it feels like the stakes are so much higher this time. And I, I think it really comes down to understanding swing states, purple, purple states, and the electoral college votes that they hold, and frankly, voter turnout. If you are just tuning in and don't know anything about politics, let me just clear something up for you. Purple states are not gay states. That's what I thought going in, and that's not the case. (laughs) It's states that have both a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats, and they don't know any, they could go any which way. That's why they swing left and right. They're kind of like the bisexual states. Yeah, they're just, they're like, how, how? Like, you know what? I don't know what I want. I don't know. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to. It depends on the person. It's all about the person. It's all right? about the it's all about the person, which maybe the we should be anyway. Right. We should be all about right? the person in life, in relationships and in politics. However, that is not the case. We are quite a partisan country. And unfortunately, so many other things have crept into partisan politics like personality, like covid for instance, and there's this this really interesting information coming out of, um, I believe this article is from The Hill that Jesse found, um, that has, you know, personality and likability is really a big key with a, a lot of this. And because it's like the ultimate personality contest, right, the, the presidential election, and only 31% of people polled like Donald Trump, like think he's a yeah, personable is- guy. Interesting because all of the Facebook ads that show up from the Biden campaign on my feed say otherwise. And I don't know if they're just saying that because they want money. I assume it's because they want money. Um, but they also talk about how how he is the most well-funded president in history and how there's no, you know, we, we can't be this close. They are this percent funded and we are this percent funded. And will you please give us 10 more dollars? And I've given them so many tens of dollars. Um, but they all of the money is going to these swing states because mm-hmm. they've got to pool all their resources. And if they can win in those, quote, battleground states, then they can win the presidency. You would think you would think that the numbers that James is bringing you, 31% of people actually like this guy, that that would be a shoo-in. That would be no. open, closed, 
open and shut case. But no, that's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. And in fact, because that's not the case, both campaigns are pouring huge amounts of money into these purple, not gay, but swing bisexual states. Uh, Primarily Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, Florida to some degree. And they're pouring lots of money in these because, you know, there's this famous talk right now about how Hillary Clinton didn't spend enough time in those swing states. And that could be partially the reason why, you know, we we know that this election essentially came down to 30,000 votes, swung the Electoral College one way or the other. So there's a lot of focus this time around on the Electoral College, um, as well as, I don't know, there's kind of a couple of things going on in the world. Allie, there's, not sure if you'd heard, there's a viral pandemic. Mm, interesting. It's a hoax. Um, <laughs> it's a lie. The, <laughs> well, right now, right about now, there would be millions of debates, millions of rallies, millions of appearances happening that we would be hearing about and seeing and people chanting. I mean, the amount of news articles that we'd be seeing right now about Trump lying about crowd size would be unbelievable. But there are no... Uh, I, I think he held an indoor rally recently, which he shouldn't have done. But mm-hmm. the first official debate... I believe is a little bit later this month. Yep. It's September 29th. Yep. But Joe Rogan also came oh. out and said, hey, why don't you guys have a four-hour debate on my show? And Trump said that he was not opposed to it. So we just wanted to let both of you know, Biden and Trump, uh, you can do a five-hour debate on our show. So we'll give you an extra hour. And we won't even do that thing where we cut off the time, where we're like, sir, 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 you're out of time. Sir, sir, sir you're out of time. We me, won't sir. mad out you. We, we won't mad out you. I love this idea. I feel like we're giving them an extra time. Our audience is is clearly as big as Joe Rogan's podcast audience. So they're going to reach mm. everyone that they need to reach, uh, particularly in those swing mm. states. I think that's really, really significant. And they both like to ramble on. They're two old white guys who just like get all rambly, rambly. And uh, I think that are, that's little, that'll be the title of debate night. Ra- rambly, rambly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to rambly, rambly with Joe Biden. And <laughs> you have to use your, well, I love one of the debate there. So there's other debates, by the way, the vice presidential debate is uh, October 7th. And then the final two presidential debates are October 15th and October 22nd. And the one on the 15th is um, uh, being moderated by Steve Scully of C-SPAN. I oh. can't wait to watch that one because it's going to be like very C-SPAN. Like just like yeah. you were doing. Welcome back. Welcome back. To the second to presidential the debates. debates. Of, of Rambly, 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 Rambly. I can't wait for the Rambly. vice presidential ones because I can't wait for Harris to go against Pence. She's going to be wearing her Converse. It's going to be badass. <laughs> I am waiting for all the punches. Well, um, we. Yeah, I think you certainly know where, where our uh, loyalties lie in this debate, but mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how things pan out. We'll be back with more Drop the Subject. We. What do we have next? Ooh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Two-minute commercial break. That's what. Ha-ha! Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Alan James. It's Wednesday, which means it is Mercolis, which means it is Mercury, which means Mercury. we Le get into the AMA. That's right. C'est, c'est vrai. It's true. We ask each day. other questions about our gay, gay lifestyles. I have a question for a gay man. James has a question for me, but I, I, I think... Because we are, are short on time, I will just ask you a question and we'll kind of go from there. Does that sound good, Dr. James? That sounds excellent, Dr. Allie. Here is my... That's <laughs> not even... Like, I can't even let you get through that without me laughing. <laughs> like doc, doc Paging Dr. Johnson. Doctor. Paging, paging uh, Dr. Johnson. I do have a lab coat somewhere. Anyway, here's go. my uh, question. Yep, that's all it takes. The other day, you... Uh, I don't even know if you talked about this on the air, but there was somebody who came over and fixed... you. did some housework for you. Uh-huh. And you said that he was uh, a little put off by the fact that he... And I'm not even saying negative. He just was a little shocked to come into your house and see that there were two men living there. Uh-huh. Yes, this happens. And my question for you is, does that happen often because... I don't think that I get the same looks. I think when people uh-huh. come over to my domicile, whatever it is, which is usually an apartment, they would not think twice about two women living together. But when uh-huh. there are two men living together with no other roommates, they automatically think gay. 
how often does that happen to you? And what is the what is the response that you usually give? Is it usually just a staring contest or do you start <laughs> breaking out the heel collection? How does it all pan out? Uh, I have to jump right to the funniest story about the heel collection and people coming over to our house to fix things. So the guy, the solar guy was here and they were here for a while, like a few days. They were putting up the solar panels and they're doing their thing and whatever. And then this is pre-COVID. This is last summer. And they had to come back over on a Saturday. And the solar guy was like, I'm not going to be there. A couple of my team are going to come and do these last few minute things in the solar. And we were like, hey, that's great. We'll leave the back gate open. But we have we're having a pool party. We're having people over. And so okay. he was like, That's so, and fine. he already knew that you guys were gay. Totally, totally knew we were gay. He had been okay. hanging and out with us. He said, and pool party, we'll leave the back door open. He was like, if any I had any <laughs> questions, I've now been right. all cleared up. Well, uh, for him, but I don't think he warned his team, like the other guys on his crew that needed to come over. So we're having said pool party and folks are showing up and then whatever. And I am in a calf caftan <laughs> and heels <laughs> flittering Amazing. about the pool <laughs> welcoming the guests and offering cocktails and whatnot and i i think i probably have a sun hat on as well and it. uh the, the the solar guys show up and they're like um <laughs> should we uh, okay. uh I your- and i was like oh yeah right here you just go over here and, and here's the thing and whatever and shingles and then, so interesting sh- shingles. Interestingly, they they kind of were taking their time leaving. Oh. And we couldn't tell if they were just like watching the hilarity ensue because now a bunch of gays had shown up and a bunch of gays were wearing their heels around the pool and we were just like being silly, you know, and playing music and cocktails and whatever. Or did they like want to be a part of the party? We couldn't mm. really tell. It was very interesting. They wanted that back door really open. Uh, I mean, Dr. Allie Johnson, that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just, I, uh, uh, a lady never tells. However, oh, the, you no, got a good deal no, on this. Nothing, nothing like that. Right. That's those, <laughs> that, those last 10 solar panels were free. Oh, uh, no, typically, <laughs> typically, uh, it's, it's a double take sort of situation. Right. Because it's I not th- necessarily good or bad. It's just a, blah, blah, blah. Uh, like, wait, because we are two men who are clearly not in our 20s. Like, I think if we were in right. 20s living in an apartment or whatever, they'd be like, oh, they're just roommates. We don't have like posters on the wall or porn on the coffee table. Right. Like we we like have a like a halfway decent house. And they think they're like, OK, these are two men clearly in their 40s living together in a house put together. Ah, uh, oh, uh-huh. double take, double take. Yeah. Yeah. And then they see me in my heels and then it's all over. Right. Ugh. Or it's all just beginning. Of course it is. <laughs> hey More Drop the Subject on the way. Don't go anywhere. Two-minute break. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. Allie Johnson, Dr. James Simmons. And because it's your Wednesday weekly wake-up call, Dr. John Paul is here with us. Dr. John Paul is a speaker, writer, social justice educator. Been everywhere. NBC, BuzzFeed, Vox, MTV, a TEDx talk, the whole nine. One of the most brilliant voices in, I think, the world right now, not just in social justice, racial reform and those conversations, but this is what we do every week. We bring continue this conversation about racial social justice initiatives that we need to talk about. Dr. John, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm always so happy to be here. Oh, we are happy to have you. And okay, so... Allie and I have been talking quite a bit with our listeners about sports and because we both we both dig sports and we both have been pretty open about the fact that we have some issues with the NFL and that it is really difficult for us to be fans of the game. And then also, you know, me as a healthcare provider, I cannot get over how the NFL is completely ignoring COVID, but also the NFL's response to Black Lives Matter and all of the racial social justice initiatives that are going on versus other sports that are doing a really, really great job of this. And it got us thinking for a weekly wake-up call Mm -hmm. that we should talk about the old just shut up and dribble, just shut up and play, and why communities get so upset about Black folks who are athletes speaking out about racism. Mm, yeah. 
I see both sides of the conversation. And when I say see both sides of the conversation, I don't mean that to be to be blasé or to be to pacify what we're discussing today. What I mean is, is that I understand that there are a lot of people who have said, well, you know, it's a business, it's a company, it's your job, you should just be there to do your job. But I also think people also need to understand that for certain individuals, specifically Black people, we have to understand how race affects the way that we do our jobs, specifically even thinking about this idea that the personal is political, right? So when we think about this idea that even in sports, there's been a lot of racism over the years, there tends to be a very high number of Black men who are, you know, brought into football or Black men brought into play basketball. And they're expected, even with all of the money that they're being given, to just kind of shut up and do their job they still have to go home, right? And so ultimately, this idea of, you know, knowing that they have a platform and that they have a lot of young Black children looking up to them, what what would it mean if these individuals who are being given these platforms didn't speak out about things that were personal to them, right? We allow so many other individuals, even with their jobs, to make and say political things, and we, we never say anything about it, specifically individuals on, like, Fox News or individuals who are, you know, ultimately on the right. But yet for you to tell a basketball player, oh, your only thing to do is to play basketball or to play football, that's it, and still have to experience the racism both in their job and outside of their job, it just makes it very, I wouldn't say complicated, but it's extremely frustrating to know that we're ultimately telling people that because of their profession, they don't have a right to speak out about something that Mm. affects them personally. Dr. John, with everything that's been going on, especially in the NFL, I think the NBA has been a lot, and let me know if you disagree, but a a lot better with allowing players to speak their voice in recent days. Uh, The Mm. NFL seems to be doing this whole, hey, we care about racism now type of thing. (laughs) And Colin Kaepernick called it out as (laughs) propaganda, which it it does seem that way. But is it better than nothing? Is it better to do something and have it be uh, propaganda or for their own benefit rather than doing nothing at all? I think the bigger conversation here is, At what expense does capitalism come in to the conversation? And I Mm. think that that's the biggest thing, Mm. right? Let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah. (laughs) I think, no, no, no. And I think evil. Right. The root of evil, the root of evil oftentimes is capitalism. And I think that that's the thing, you know, I don't want to spend the time being like, you know, capitalism is bad. No, we all feed into capitalism. I'll say, you know, up front, I just bought my Apple Watch yesterday. But, you know, I think for me, what it really comes down to is this idea of, organizations really only speaking up about social issues when it's convenient and when they know how it's going to impact the people that purchase or feed into the industry that they are ultimately selling. So we have to look at basketball. We have to look at football as a product. And we have to ask the question, who are the people that are ultimately giving into this product, right? And so it's black pe- a lot of Black people. And so now for them to say, oh, well, we also care about Black lives too. I think the frustration that people have, even beyond Colin Kaepernick or any of the other individuals who are, are in sports that are using their voice and their platform to talk about social issues, is this idea idea. And like I said a couple weeks ago, why now? Like, why now? Like, why, why, why did you fire someone and allow this storm to arise, you know, and then turn around and say, okay, now we actually support them. But you're actually still not putting your voice behind Colin to say, we're sorry about what we did. We're going to do what we can to make this right. So right. Or here's think, a job. Mm-hmm, here's a job. Here's an opportunity for you to do something on our, you know, on the other end of what we do for NFL. We're going to start this. We're going to do this. So it's just, it's frustrating because even at the end of the day, it still comes down to who benefits from this. And obviously black people still feel like that they don't. Yep. I think it, it really is such an interesting conversation as well as placating to I mean, because you have to bring capitalism into this, right? Placating to your audience and the audience, while there's certainly crossover between the sports, audience for for football is categorically different than the primary audience for basketball. And this mm-hmm. is the the audience that watches basketball tends to have more college type of education, also tends to have a higher income and tends to also be more people of color. And so I think it's very interesting that the NBA has taken a really, really active stance in this probably given their audience versus the NFL, which has a different audience. But we have more questions about all of this, Dr. John. When we come back or drop the subject, don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. 
The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. It's your weekly wake-up call with Dr. John Paul, and we're continuing this sports conversation. I personally, I guess I should speak for myself, have had some sort of visceral reactions to what the NFL, frankly, hasn't done around racial social justice initiatives. Though, if you dig a little bit deeper, I went and looked at the LA Rams website, and they really have done some really kind of cool things recently, but no one's talking about it. Not in the way that like the NBA is talking about it. And this disjointed uh, every football game this past weekend and on Monday night and whatever had every like, uh, some teams do this and some teams do that. And it was this messed up messages and they were booing. Were they booing because the other team had come out or were they actually booing because of this? And I think it brings up this really interesting conversation that has gone on for so long that musicians face. They told the, the chicks just shut up, shut up and sing when they got political. And they tell athletes just shut up and dribble or just shut up and play. And that's, that's the conversation that we're having here. So Dr. John, what are some of the inroads that are made when we even do things like have Black Lives, say Black Lives Matter on the back of a jersey. Is yeah. that is this making a difference or is this just performative? For me, it's never my job to say whether what someone's doing in terms of like a political or, you know, for a for a cause. It's never my job to say whether this is for show or if this is true. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that action speaks louder than words. And I think that's the thing that a lot of individuals have in their mind right now, right? For instance, I heard about, I think it was the Sox up in Boston had put up the sign, you know, Black Lives Matter on the side of of their building just recently. And there were a lot of questions around whether or not that was done because they just wanted to make sure that they were showing solidarity or if it was done for them to get off of, you know, the ice that they were on regarding how their Black players had been treated and how Mm. Black people specifically had been treated in that area of Boston, right? There are all these questions that I think come up in these kind of situations where people are saying, do you genuinely stand for what you're saying you stand for? Or are you genuinely just doing it so that way you can take some of the heat off of you? And I think both are necessary. Personally, I think Mm -hmm. both are extremely necessary. I think individuals need to be doing something. But I also think that it is important for folks to also realize, too, what are our plans beyond this? And I think Mm -hmm. that's where my mind has been, right? It is not enough for you to tell me right now that Black Lives Matter. What I want to know is how you as an organization are going to make sure that Black Lives Matter this time next year, this time in five years, this time in 10 years. And there are a lot of companies and organizations, you know, not specifically in sports, but I'm saying in general, there have been a lot of companies that have rolled out, this is what we are doing to make sure that we are standing up with the statement that we are making. And so the same can be said about these, you know, athletes or activists or whatever name you want to give yourself. I think for me, it's this idea of what are you doing after the cameras are off? What are you doing for the community or what are you doing to make people feel validated and seen when there's nobody actually watching you um, or coming to your sports game, if that makes sense? Right. I mean, when I was watching those games and you see Breonna Taylor's name on a helmet, you're going, okay, this is good because somebody in another state that has not been paying attention to the news, that lives in a white bubble or whoever it is, now is seeing that name more than they would have. So that is progress, right? But what is what is behind that helmet? What is beyond just that name being written on that helmet in that moment? And, and yeah. it's, you know, what is behind why that is happening? But also mm-hmm. something I wanted to ask you about is, if there are some people of color who play sports or do do anything, right, or have, have a platform, right, that do not want to talk about this stuff, that do just want to do their job and move on, and some, they're being asked, like, well, what do you think about this? What are you going to do? Are you going to stand? Are you going to kneel? Are you going to link arms? And do you think there are people out there that feel pressured to get activated publicly when they maybe do just want to play football, yeah, that's the other thing that makes this conversation so um it, it's so sticky is because there is this expectation that just because you are black that you have to be somewhat of an activist regardless of what space mm-hmm. that you're in, right? And that because you are a person of color or if you are a person that has been affected by whatever, you know, that's going on in the world that you have to speak up and say something about it if you quote unquote have a platform. And I personally am from the vein of I don't think that everyone needs to be 
a spokesperson per se when it comes to these type of issues because not everybody knows enough about certain topics or conversations or pieces in order to give very thought out and well-minded ideologies around what's going on in the world or, or, or even they may not even really understand what's going on. And so I think for me, it's at this level of do what you think is good for you and what's important for whatever cause you're, you're for. I don't shame the people who are black or brown that, you know, don't do things. So for instance, I was just even thinking about uh, Naomi Osaka who came out the other day with the mask on her face. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Do that, right? If you feel comfortable enough to do that, that is fantastic. If Serena Williams doesn't do it, I'm not going to knock her because again, I don't know what she's doing outside of the cameras to support this. However, what I do think is important for folks to understand is that we have to look at the ways that power structure treat these people when they do stand up. That for me is where my issue is, mm, right? So yeah. I don't really care if an artist does or doesn't say anything, right? I'm okay. I'm okay with them opting to do or not do something. However, what I do have a problem with are organizations or management companies or big brands that ultimately turn around and basically chastise their people because they opted to speak out against something that is oppressive or causing a group of people oppression, right? You know, no ice, all of these different things. So it's just that for me is where my issue lives. What happens when the person does opt to do something and how they're treated afterwards? That's for me where the problem lies. I think that's a tremendous point. And and it really, you know, Naomi Osaka really turned the tennis world on on its head when she did that. And she forced an entire tournament, a Masters 1000 level tournament to stop. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. Now the question is, what is tennis going to do going forward? Dr. John, there is absolutely never, ever, ever enough time. We need you to take over the show at some point and you can just come (laughs) in and it'll be the Dr. Dr. John John show for a week. Oh gosh. I love, I love a little takeover. Oh gosh. Um, Oh oh gosh. No, no, no. That was not an oh gosh. Gosh, like a bad oh gosh. That, that oh, was like a, gosh. you know, me no, blushing thanks. in an oh gosh way. Thank uh, you. Th- I was going to say, you have a TEDx talk. You've been on MTV no, baby, and on nah, TV you know all what? the time. Channel Q, y'all know what to do. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll plug it. It's very true. I love it. You can find Dr. John Paul at Dr. Spell it out at Dr. J-O-N Paul all over social media and at drjohnpaul.com. Dr. John, it will be too long until we see you next week, friend. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents... News it or lose it. Not the subject, Allie and James. It's news or lose it time. That means we have two headlines each, but we can only news one of the two. The other one we lose. Are you ready to hear your headlines? Dr. James Simmons, nurse practitioner. Am I ever? Great. Here is your first headline. Scientists have finally answered the age-old question, why do I eat so much when I'm watching TV? Booyah! Mmm. You are newsing it? I'm newsing it because this would explain everything. This is why I don't look like Naomi Campbell. <laughs> the headline that you lost then is about a new trend in parenting called astrological parenting. Damn which it! Which means that you're raising people based on their astrological sign. On the baby's astrological sign or your astrological sign? The babies. If the baby is a gem- Gemini, then you know that they have two sides to them and you raise them accordingly, etc. I'm a Gemini. Um, what are you trying to say? No, I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. Uh-huh. That's just a quality of a Gemini. Sure is. I love That's you. According I hate to you. one of the testimonies what are you in saying? this I'm happy. article. I'm sad. <laughs> Oh, no. All right. What are your headlines? You have two of them, of course. I've got two, of course. Uh. <laughs> um, let's get back to leaked D-pics, shall we? Chris Evans breaks the silence after private photo leak fiasco. I've seen this. I'm going to lose it because he didn't comment on his D-pic. He didn't. He just said, now that I have your attention, vote, uh, okay. which is great. Thanks a lot, Chris Evans. Way to be kept in America. <laughs> Th- thanks, Chris Evans. Uh, my other uh, headline is this local news segment about anti-maskers will make you question whether you're living in real life. Okay, well, you know, by default, I have newsed it, so go ahead. Yes, very good. Uh, So a local news station recently ran a segment on anti-maskers in St. George, Utah. I have been to St. George, Utah. Everything in that town except for one restaurant closes by 8 p.m. You are in the heart of Mormonville. And we went into that one restaurant 
Christopher and I, when we were driving across country. The one? The one restaurant opened past 8 p.m. because we were hungry. And we did not finish our meal. We left. Why? We were all but told to leave. (gasps) I was the only person of color in the restaurant. And uh, we were being stared at. And in fact, the manager of the restaurant came over and asked us twice if we wanted our food to go, even though we were (gasps) sitting down in a booth. Yeah. Oh, my God. Fast forward to an anti-mask rally. They were protesting the governor mandating masks for kiddos in schools. And, well, some hilarity ensued, Allie. If we want to wear a mask, that's fine. We can take care of ourselves. Some rally attendees say they shouldn't ever wear masks if they have any medical issues or mental health concerns or if they feel they simply can't breathe. When George Floyd was saying, I can't breathe, and then he died, and now we're wearing a mask, and we say, I can't breathe, but we're being forced to wear it anyway. Can't. Can you? The irony of this whole anti-mask thing is not lost on me. The fact that all of these white people are complaining about not being able to breathe and saying that it's their American right to be able to breathe. Uh-huh. You can't help but just say, uh-huh. do you, can you hear yourself? Do you hear yourself? And uh-huh. then to no. actually see a direct reference and say, no, no, no. I'm going to go ahead and bring up George Floyd and yep. say how he can't breathe and directly link the two. And still, I'm going to say this to me wearing a mask. Yep. Yep. Because they're the same police killing you and wearing a mask. But Ali, if you can believe it, it gets worse. Oh. I'll tell you another reason I hate masks. Most child molesters love them. School- <laughs> if you didn't hear that clearly, grandma <laughs> at the rally a Washington County resident in St. St. George, Utah, said, another reason why I don't like the masks, child molesters love them. Didn't know. Did you? Uh, I, when people talk about QAnon and conspiracy theories and how these things are really important that we make sure, and there's like, there's no way that people could ever believe this stuff. Just go watch the news, apparently in St. George, Utah, because people, this looks like an, a complete, very intelligent woman. Like, what is her? I can't, Allie. So they're sorry to make my newser a want want. Well, but, you know. I mean, that, that, yes, it, it, but the thing is, I, I, I well, there's we almost not much yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. We'll let it speak let, for let's, itself. Let's move on to why. We cannot eat, stop eating when we watch TV. Um, Please do tell. So, it's my mask. Apparently, according to some research, it's your mask. It's my mask. If, if you don't wear a mask, then you will be fine. Uh-huh. Constantly no, eating. Um, so your brain has to figure out that it's full. Your brain takes a little bit of energy to concentrate on the fact that you're eating and put together, oh, okay, I've eaten enough. I'm full. Now it's time for me to walk away from this Denny's or whatever it is. Mm. But when you're in front of a TV, your brain power is being completely occupied by what you're watching. So your brain is too distracted to let your body know that you're on your fourth plate of lasagna. And that's why you keep eating, even though you're already full. So we should not watch TV while we eat, basically. Long story short. Yes. But I mean, what up? Like, that's going to happen. <laughs> also, but, I think the next step of this research is you have to look at thin people and see if they eat while they watch TV and look at people who are overweight and see if they eat while they watch TV and see if there's a correlation. I'm just saying I may or may not have uh, learned something about research. Exactly. You learn a little something here on Drop the Subject. But the truth is, I am no more likely to not eat while watching TV than that lady is to actually wear a to mask. Wear so a we're mask. just going to take a two minute break. <laughs> I'm going to get a snack. We'll be right oh, back. Oh, Lord. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Are you going to the gym? I hope not. They are not open. Well, I guess, you know, depending on where you live, we have people listening all over. There are some Some gyms that are open. Yeah, some places are open. The fitness center in my apartment complex has not been open. There was a two to three week period where it was open and there was nobody in there. It was great. I would be extra careful. I would get on that little free spin bike because I can't afford a Peloton and I would do my little (laughs) classes and be on my merry way. And then the second shutdown happened and they have been, it has been close up shop ever since. Close up shop. And. Then Jillian Michaels came out and said, I have COVID and I want to make sure I warn people against going to public gyms right now. Nonetheless. Wait, did she really? I didn't know that. Yeah. She's got COVID and she said, don't go to gyms. Well, 
I mean, I often don't agree with Jillian, but I do on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for her to be like, guys, don't go to gyms. Guys. <laughs> you want those coconut shoulders, you stay in your living room. Coconut shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> she loves talking about coconut shoulders. Oh, boy. So now I guess there is a new trend in fitness clothing where you are wearing the same fitness clothes as your skin tone or something like that. You're uh-huh. wearing basically what uh, whatever your skin tone is. You're just going like full matchy match with your skin tone, uh, which uh, I don't know how you feel about it, James. I look at these pictures and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, that's the next thing. Great. Um, on the other hand, when I... I have many times unintentionally worn things that are, quote, my skin tone, uh, and they are pink pants. <laughs> my wife will say, I was walking towards you, and I thought you were wearing no pants, and I'm like, wow, the fact that pink is my skin tone is rather embarrassing, but what do you think about this? I'm a fan of athleisure in general. I think we should be wearing workout clothes from now on, either pajamas or workout clothes. Mm-hmm. I don't know for me personally that I want to go skin tone, but I don't have, uh, I have a very unfortunate, unflattering complexion. So <laughs> go ahead. Uh, and you're asking this question of someone who has a very flattering complexion. Thank you. You Allie, do. So much. I work very hard at it. I, I guess I don't, I don't see why this is, apparently this is causing some sort of uproar though, right? Like people are like, oh, you got yeah. nude clothing on and like whatever. That's the. It means you're naked. It, may, it means you're naked. It means there's actually a body under them clothes. I don't understand why it's really an issue, frankly. Although I do love that the pictures of all of these like people who like look like they're nude. It's all like a nice, gentle sort of mauve taupe kind of brownish sort of whatever there's this whole like you wear the clothes don't let the clothes wear you so you're gonna look however you look in this athleisure wear or whatever i just think it's funny that this is causing an uproar particularly when women wear this athleisure which is primarily worn by women i should say and then wear things that make them look nude like what it makes me go into is oh here we are again the lefty liberal is about to jump out on me for those of you listening here we go but here we go again like chastising women for their bodies. How dare a woman like feel comfortable in her body or how dare even there be a nude woman. Ooh, like, like these are your bodies. Clearly you're not nude inside of a gym. Like who cares? No, James, they are witches and they are hypnotizing <laughs> us with into their wanting them nude booties with their nudies, <laughs> their booties. <laughs> they are sirens that are sucking the life force out of all men. That is our agenda. <laughs> yeah, is is that your agenda? Now, but see, I wonder if I wore a super, super mega ultra tight pair of leggings that were like my skin tone, how would people react? Would people be more upset that I'm my junk's all out because mm-hmm. I'm wearing leggings or that they were nude, like they looked like my color? Um, I guess... If I were looking at you, I would definitely, my eye would go to the, the exposed genitals first. Uh-huh. Well, not exposed, uh-huh. just nude. Just okay, sorry. underneath my just, leggings. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exposing them, and I don't think it's right. <laughs> you're making me straight. You're making <laughs> stop. You're, what did you say? You're, you're, your power is with your witchiness and whatever is going you're on. You're a witch, and you should be put in a tub of water, and if you sink to the bottom, then you're not a witch, but you're dead. It's a swamp <laughs> system, but we keep, stick with it. Flawed system. Uh, what do you think about it? I'm more of a, a person who doesn't like tight things in general that make Word. me feel uncomfortable. So tight, tight shorts. I mean, I'm looking at the camel toes in some of these pictures and I'm like, ooh, that looks uncomfortable. But yeah. whatever floats your boat. Ouch. Uh, we will be back <laughs> with more Drop the Subject. Camel toe or no? Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. Allie Johnson, James Simmons. <sighs> it has been a lovely, it's been a lovely miércoles. And uh, Mer- Mercodis, what is what is Wednesday in French? Uh, mercredi. Mercredi. Mer- Mer- mercredi. Mer- it's pr- it's spare- spelled mercredi. Mercredi, not yeah, spelled so mercredi. Hump day. It is the day for, jour de <laughs> oh, for les crusettes. Ah. <laughs> Very good. Ah, it has been a lovely show with you. We always love having you here. If you missed anything. I'll be darn, we got a podcast and you can download it every day. In fact, you should go there just right now. 
download it. Click the subscribe, download, give us five stars, leave us a little rating. It helps us out a lot. Go to radio.com, search for podcasts. That's where we prefer you go or wherever you get your podcasts. Either way, we'd love for you to listen if you missed anything. All kinds of fun, yummy, wonderful, juicy goodness on the show. Earlier, we talked to Dr. John Paul or your weekly wake-up call. We did a little drop the president begrudgingly. Um, we talked about la crusette, and those French jokes will make a little more sense if you miss those. Catch up on everything on the podcast. And of course, please follow us on social media at DTS Show. Yes, and just a couple of things we wanted to update you on. I know we have not mentioned Brianna Taylor yet in the show, and there is an update if you didn't see yesterday. Uh, they reached a settlement in her wrongful death, a $12 million payout to Brianna Taylor's family. Is it enough? Absolutely not. Is it something? Yes. And um, I, I don't know how you feel about it, James, but it's it's kind of weird to see, like, I, my fear is that they're like, great, button that up, and now we move on. Cool. Mm. We, do we need to say her name anymore? We're good, right? I, I certainly right? hope that wasn't the case. And Ben Crump was spoke. Um, one of her other attorney attorneys, uh, attorney Baker spoke. I, I who and they were very, very, very clear. Brianna Taylor's mother spoke. Many people who spoke, including some of the f- officials with the Louisville, like the city of Louisville, said, this is just the civil settlement, period. Oh, good. Okay. And Mm -hmm. we're still, and they were very clear. They were like, we're still going after charges for all four of the officers. There's an additional officer, by the way, who like did some paperwork things that were a little shady, I guess. Um, So they're like, we're still going after this. We still want justice. This is not the end. And oh, by the way, this is the largest settlement probably ever paid out in a wrongful death police lawsuit really? at oh, the time I no we, idea. we need to we need to substantiate that and make sure it's it's true but at the time so ben crump was saying it's definitely the largest settlement ever played out to a black woman and there's some really significant police reforms coming from this in the city of louisville that are brianna's law and ben crump was also saying that they're really going to try to take brianna's law statewide and countrywide and brianna's law is essentially no more no knock warrants or anything of the sort um, yeah. with policing so there were other really big initiatives that were a part of this settlement um for police reform in Louisville. And um, it was really, I think it's significant. It's significant that this amount of money was paid. It's significant that these police reforms have been made. And it sort of closes one chapter so that now everyone can really actually focus on like getting the charges justice, right? And charging those police officers. Yeah, because charging the police officers is a step that needed to happen like, oh, I don't know, in February. <laughs> Hello. Uh, well, March, hello. March, March 14th was March 14th. The date she she died on March 13th. So, yeah, I feel like okay, those officers okay. should have been arrested and charged on March 14th. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, also before we go, <laughs> Je- Jesse wanted us to mention you. We have a little rundown here, a little digital rundown on our it's a little Google spreadsheet. Oh, he's and, telling us uh, one minute. Now he's telling us wrap here, up, wrap up, wrap one up, guys. He doesn't want us to say <laughs> that it was close and talk about Peloton stonks. So let's talk <laughs> about the stonk market, everybody. Uh, what this. is going on with Peloton stonks? Um, uh, you know, I just got into stonks real recently, <laughs> actually. I haven't really been much into stonks. I mean, obviously, my 401L is mm-hmm. you know definitely got some stonk involvement in it but uh i just really doing the stonky leg <laughs> do the stonky leg uh so yeah peloton stonks really tanked yesterday for like a hot second <laughs> on the announcement of apple's fitness plan but then yeah since- and you and i bought stonks in peloton so yes. i guess this is also jesse trying to be like why don't you guys talk about the fact that the stonk market crashed with the stonks that you with bought with the stonks that- well thank god we didn't buy stocks because yeah, I, mean, I know. Yeah. Woo! Woo, thank God we, we just, didn't buy a bunch of stocks in Peloton or anything. We just went to <laughs> TB Ameritrade and <laughs> TB was on Tuberculosis there. Ameritrade. <laughs> Actually, we can't talk about TB Ameritrade because they're a bad family. Bad family. Ugh. They are. Yeah. Oh no. TD. No. No. Uh oh. We got something else we have to talk about. On drop the subject next time, Allie. All right. Well, there you go. There's a little tease for tomorrow's show. We'll see you then. Bye bye. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.